Hi, Tyla. Hi, listeners. Welcome to A Year Ago Today. Our podcast. I switched that order, didn't I? Yeah, you did, but we still, we managed to do that with some finesse. I was thinking that we did a good job. Wonderful. I love it. (laughs) Oh, man. I'm ready. What? Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I was like getting really grounded in that moment when I was like, great, I have arrived. (laughs) I'm glad you're here now. Yes. What's the best thing that's happened to you since we last recorded? Which is only a a few days ago. Yeah. Um... I guess the best thing that's happened to me since we last recorded, uh, well, a lot has happened. Hang on. (laughs) There is an OA flash mob that my friend Jess Grippo is organizing. So the OA was that show on Netflix for anybody that doesn't know. And they have, there's five movements in the show and it's like this kind of ancient cosmic language that they learn to speak. And so my friend Jess loved these movements and decided to do a flash mob. And so the associate choreographer from the show, Wes, I think his last name is Veldink. Mm-hmm. Um, he was at the rehearsal last night and was teaching us all the movements. And they were so much more intricate than you can actually see in the show. Mm-hmm. And there's all this breath work and all of these... Um, sound cues that go with the movement and learning all of that from him was just the most fun ever. (laughs) I love it. Um, Yeah. And he's someone that like I grew up dancing and he is a choreographer that I had always heard of, but never had the chance to take class with. And he was just so nice. Hmm. So it was really fun. And I'm looking forward to the flash mob, even though, once we saw how complicated the movements were, I kind of wanted to be like, are you sure you don't want to push this back a few weeks so we can rehearse more? Because this is challenging. But we're, it's happening, by the time this airs, it will have already happened um, at Columbus Circle right in front of Trump Towers. Mm-hmm. So that's really exciting. So you can go Google OA flash mob if you want to see. I don't know if you'll be able to see me in the video or not, but maybe. <laughs> woot woot. I love it. Yeah, so and, excited. you know, it's like dance is still something that I really want to get back to doing more and more of, and still I have some resistance to that. So this is a really good way for me to get my toes wet. <laughs> yeah, you're doing it. I'm doing it. I'm dancing. You're not trying. It's happening. It's happening. And I talked to Wes last night about, about like, leaving dance and coming back, and he was so sweet and seemed to really understand what a big emotional thing it is. So that was nice, too. Uh, so good. Yeah. Yay! What about you, Sally? What's the best thing that's happened to you since we last recorded? Um, well, I spent almost all day yesterday, I guess all day yesterday, deep cleaning part of the apartment. I'm not done yet. There's a lot. <laughs> um, and Justin helped me, and that was really nice. He cleaned Aww. the entire patio. He did it by himself. Aww. I was very excited about that because I was scared of the patio and scared that there would be critters roaming places. Um, so that was great. And I finally got to like rearrange the closet and dump, dump more of my stuff and like actually move things around in a way that made sense to me. And that made me feel good. Um, at least to the best of like my ability with our current capability. Like I don't have a dresser for instance. So like 
I, I still have things that are in a duffel bag that have just been like in <laughs> just inside of the closet because that was the only place where there was space for it. So at least now I moved it to my side because I made some space for it on my side. Um, so yeah, so Getting organized. I did some of that. Yeah. And, um, that felt good. And there was like a junk drawer that I had that I went through for the first time and like got rid of a lot of stuff and it felt really good. I, I was so excited that like, as soon as I was done with the closet, I was like, Justin, do you want to see what I did? <laughs> he was like, okay. I do that all the time. I'll like clean under the sink and I'll be like, Matt, you got to check out what is happening under the sink right now. Cause it looks incredible. <laughs> Yeah, he didn't seem as excited as I was. No, but... they never are. <laughs> it was still good. <laughs> so yeah, that's it. That was the best thing. Great. Well, we kept that down to just five minutes. Good job, us. Yeah, way to go. All right. So let's introduce <laughs> our guest now. Our guest this week is my friend Jamie. Hi, Jamie. Hi, Tyler. Hi, Sally. <laughs> Jamie, take a deep breath and then tell us. In one word, if you can, how you were feeling a year ago today. Lost. So, ah, I feel like that is a lot of times my word when I reflect on life. (laughs) I was just feeling lost. (laughs) So, a year ago today, Jamie was leaving a restaurant job and was doubting herself and her passion for cooking after having spent how many years in the industry? Um, surprisingly very few. I started cooking late in life. So I've only been cooking for four years. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So this was like a big life reinvention then. It really was. And then you're leaving this job and you were like, oh no, what if I was wrong about all this? Yes, pretty much. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I kind of threw my entire life up in the air to pursue a career as a chef or as a cook and um, just not knowing where it would take me, just knowing that it was an internal drive that I had felt and looking for a way to find my own happiness, which is something I think we're all kind of looking for in a roundabout way. And I was very much raised with the belief that no matter what, you should always push to find your happiness. Um, so it kind of meant burning my entire life to the ground (laughs) in order to do that. And I did. And so a year ago, I came to this place where I was really, really regretting (laughs) having done all of that. (laughs) You're like, oh God, I burned my whole life to the ground. And now, and now I literally have nothing. (laughs) I have nothing to show for it. Um, I had a decent resume, um, but more than anything, I had nothing but heartache and a lot of very, very hard-earned lessons very, very quickly. Um, Being someone who throws caution to the wind all the time (laughs) gets a little exhausting. Um, You know, I found that I operate best when I am pushing myself these kind of chaotic boundaries um but i found a year ago that i had very little support in my life emotionally physically financially um i had left a restaurant that i had poured a thousand percent of myself into to help build 
and left feeling like exactly the opposite, like just a complete and total deficit um, that I had learned nothing about cooking, uh, which was my main goal and had learned everything about uh, the darkness of human nature. (laughs) If you Oh my goodness. (laughs) Which is is intense to say the least. Um, And what it brought out in me. And I mean that to speak about that from my perspective and, you know, the, just this, darkness that it it churned up in me and I became very scared of myself um in a way and I was like you know what this this has to be the wrong way then like I must be going in the wrong direction and if I had to do all of these like feel all of these negative emotions about myself and trigger all of my trust issues then this has to be the wrong way um at the same time I had met my now husband and we are very newly married. Um, And at the time we had just started dating and it was because of his entrance into my life that I was able to pump the brakes and be like, I need out of this situation. And while financially I can't afford to leave the situation, I have to. And I was very, very ill for, the last couple of months of that job, I ended up with um, having pneumonia from working so much and taking no breaks and just being mentally taxed. And he completely revived me. And he was just like, you have to take care of yourself. <laughs> you know, you're pushing yourself beyond the brink. You're absolutely miserable. You need to take a break. And so I left and I did. I took a couple of months to just kind of do some soul searching. And, you know, my friends in the industry were like, you need to come back to cooking. You need to come back to cooking. Don't, don't leave the cooking. <laughs> like, mm. you know, this is what you are born to do. It's just, you know, you had a bad experience and it was not the first bad experience. You know, I, I had several ups and downs and this industry, it, it just is that way. It's very emotionally charged. It's incredibly physically taxing. Um, And because I am so much older than the, I'm 10 years older than the average line cook um, and female. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The, um, the physical stress really, really does get to you and doesn't allow you to sometimes make the most rational mental decisions. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I got to this point where I was like, fine, you know, I'll just go into catering. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm also an adrenaline junkie and there's not much adrenaline in catering besides the moving of boxes <laughs> and the stress of setting up and dealing with insane brides. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have so many questions about what you've said. There's like, I want to talk about the heartache and the lessons you learned Mm -hmm. and the nature of human darkness, especially that which you found inside yourself. (laughs) And (laughs) I mean, I guess before all that, I, we started to talk about this and then we got cut off. Unless you've worked in a restaurant, I think it's really easy not to have any idea the kind of lives that people who work in restaurants lead in terms of like schedule and hours. And especially people who work in the kitchen. I mean, like front of the house is challenging. Um, 
but it's grueling a kitchen life. It really is. <laughs> Can you like give us an idea of the kind of schedule that you were working and um, the kind of pay that you were taking home if you feel comfortable sharing that? Uh, yeah, I think it's a good thing for people to know. Me um, too. <laughs> I'm like, everyone should be required to work in a restaurant for at least six months of their life just so Absolutely. they'll be nicer to people in restaurants. Absolutely. I think working in any service industry should mm. be required mm -hmm. of people so they can get a better judge of how we treat people <laughs> mm. um, and what things actually cost. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, so I mean, on average, you work about 55 hours. That's on the low end. When I was working, when I left that particular restaurant, I had been working from 11.30 in the afternoon and clocking out around 1.30 or 2 in the morning. Um, mm. Lunch, maybe, maybe <laughs> one meal a day, like at that point. I dropped 20 pounds in the first month. Um, wow. You know, you're not only are you working these insanely long hours, you are on your feet the entire time. You don't sit. <laughs> you don't rest. You don't pee. <laughs> you, don't, you don't pee. Like, you might pee, I mean, but first it's of all, you're so dehydrated. You there's no yeah. need to pee. Because <laughs> you don't have time to take a sip of water, typically. When, you know, people always are like, you need to, you need to drink water. And you're like, would you like to be the third hand that holds my cup to my face? That would be great. <laughs> You're like, yeah. When would you? When would you recommend I stop and take a drink of water while I'm trying to? Yeah, and then if I have a restaurant, to pee, I'm going to blame you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and in all of this, you know, you've got this incredibly long work day, and you are trying to produce the best possible product that you can. So, you know, it's kind of this oxymoron of we're nourishing people but we're not being nourished mm. and I don't believe in that philosophy at all no when I first good. got into cooking I went the route of I think what many many younger cooks do of like you know you're part of this brigade and you know you you just suffer for what you love and you can do that and it's a proven system that it works because we have these amazing chefs and who are killing themselves quite literally. Um, you know, we age much faster. The rate of suicide is incredibly high. Um, just mental illness in general, which well, and in, in addition to the like the hours and the grueling nature of it, then there's also like the when you get off work, there's the alcohol component. Absolutely, absolutely, because. You leave service after, you know, scrubbing down your entire kitchen from top to bottom after your grueling day of work. And you are so full of adrenaline um, that you can't wind down. And so the only other people around you are your industry people. And typically, you know, you end up, you have a drink and then you have another drink. And then before you know it, the sun is up. And... I have to say my cooking time in New York was much more like that, which is one of the reasons I left. And I, you know, at this particular restaurant, I actually stopped drinking mm -hmm. um, because I just, I couldn't maintain the hours that were required of me or the focus and have any extracurricular activities. 
So, I mean, just coming home to be able to eat cold beans out of a can and pass out <laughs> to me was a wild night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm going to lay on the floor now. This feels great. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, I'm going to not be standing up anymore. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's like the highlight of your day. <laughs> yeah, and I think in respect, it definitely – that was a gift. Mm-hmm. I have to look at it as a gift. I can't look at it any other way because it would drag me down is because it – it kind of curved me off of this, like, well, part of the industry is that we're just these wild and crazy party people, mm-hmm. which was fun. But as you get older, <laughs> it becomes very, very difficult to recover from that. And I come from a family of, you know, schizophrenics, alcoholics, bipolar disorder. <laughs> you know, these are things that require a very regular lifestyle to maintain um, a high level of self-care exactly so while i was like physically and mentally taxing myself i wasn't doing any extracurricular things after hours so in that respect that helped greatly Mm -hmm. um because you know i definitely felt the demons like kind of welling up inside me like my i have i'm like borderline bipolar and so I would go on these emotional rants and screaming fits, and I don't want to be that person. Directed at who? Uh, mainly myself. Mm. <laughs> you know, this like self berating, and um, because there was no one else to take it out on. Uh, everybody else was kind of undergoing their own level of hell, and you know, <laughs> yeah. I think that's a podcast unto itself, but yeah. <laughs> I want to hear more about the stuff that was coming up for you internally around the time when, when you started kind of being a little scared. So like when I, after I'd quit and I was spending a lot of time laying on my couch, mm-hmm. <laughs> eating a lot. Um, oh, the food. <laughs> I'm not eating good quality food because honestly, I didn't want to walk into a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Like I was shoving down burgers and delivery and, you know, I wasn't cooking for myself or my partner. Like I didn't want to go into the grocery store and see ingredients. I just didn't want to be. Um, it was just necessity. And I decided to go down to Charleston to visit my cousin, who um, is the only living family I currently have. And we hadn't connected in a while. We're both West, we're from the West Coast. I mean, we're both, well, he's originally from California. I'm from Colorado, but um, spent most of our lives on the West Coast in California. And we both moved to the East Coast around the same time. and I thought that was kind of interesting. And so I went down there to visit him and his family and work with him. And I went back to my old trade from before I was cooking and um, he flips houses. Mm. And so I did some landscaping for him while I was there. Ugh, that sounds good for the soul. It was, and mm. it continues to be, um, you know, but the first thing I did was dig a French drain, which is <laughs> incredibly even... taxing on the what body. What is that? A French drain is, so you dig a long channel and usually around a house, like near the foundation, um, 
and then you fill it with gravel or you know broken concrete or whatever and it helps to divert water flow mm -hmm. from seeping into your foundation without having to like do massive massive renovation so I like how you traded out one kind of super grueling manual work for another kind of super grueling. Manual. Yeah, I'm a bit of a masochist. <laughs> well, I mean, and I feel like manual work is meditative. Meditative. It is meditative. Mm. I don't know. Meditative. I mean, it's really not surprising, but it is funny considering the kind of burnout that you were experiencing. Yes, um, I've always loved working with my hands. I like the physicality of it. I like, there is a repetition that comes in with that too. Um, I've never been good at sitting at a desk <laughs> or doing paperwork or anything like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I was a landscaper for 12 years before I went into to cooking. And so I need the physical exertion for the mental health. Um, Hmm. Yeah. Have you ever thought about owning like a bed and breakfast? Yes, that's actually the future. <laughs> oh! <laughs> you hit it on the head. Yeah. I was um, like, how can you landscape and cook? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, that's that's been the focus for two decades now. Wow. It's what I've wanted. So, you know, we're still trying to figure out our path to get there, but I think we can do it. <laughs> Oh man, I want to. I'm so excited about the bed and breakfast. I know, me too. I'm I like, let's too, talk more I'm about that, like, even though that didn't well, happen a year ago today. Not yet, not yet. I want yeah. to know more Maybe about Maybe in a couple of years we can do that. <laughs> Ooh, you know what we should do? I mean, now we're really going off topic, but Jamie, I don't know if you've heard, if you listen to the podcast at all, but we've just started doing these fun episodes where we. We're like, a year ago today, I opened my bed and breakfast, except like it hasn't happened yet. So it's, oh, okay. it's like a fun, imaginative manifesting exercise. So, I mean, maybe we could do that at some point in the future. Oh, that would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> in the meantime, tell me more about your heartbreak and despair. <laughs> okay, so I'm digging, I'm digging ditches. <laughs> digging ditches. And sweating and hating and cursing and loving it and mm. reconnecting with family. And then um, I went out to eat. Mm. Was this like the first time? Yeah. Oh, how mm. long had it been since you left the job? Let's see. I think I was, shit, I was two and a half months in, mm -hmm. two months in at this point. Mm. And so I went and saw my cousin, you know, and I go out to dinner. And the first thing I had was a whole yellow snapper that had been fried and beautiful, just I mean, it was so delicious and it was so different from what the last place I'd been. It wasn't fine dining. It was like get messy and mm. this big, beautiful salad with frisee and shaved radishes. And it was just like lovely and rustic. And mm. I just kind of, I was like, oh, okay. I don't hate food. I love yeah. food still. Food. <laughs> and then I went and ate again. And this time I went out by myself. And I love dining alone um, because I can just ignore everything else and just focus on what I'm doing and or not focus or do whatever it is that I want to do. And I don't have to explain anything to anyone and I don't have to feel like I'm being a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
you know, overly critical or pompous, I can do that all in my head. <laughs> um. <laughs> there was a, a point at which Matt was like, I don't want to go out to eat with you anymore. It's not fun because all you do is talk about how they could do things better. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. Tyler does that a lot. I don't do I've, it that much anymore. I do it in my head. Yeah. Or I try to appreciate what they do well. I've right. And I've, I've gotten past the verbalization of that. But what happens is people inevitably ask you. And then it kind of uncorks it all. <laughs> um, yeah, and, like, and I'm really just trying know. to enjoy myself overall. <laughs> like I came out to eat to enjoy myself, correct? So let me just do that. Um, so I, you know, I sat down to this really fantastic meal that course after course that I had just kind of like restored. It was like putting mud on cracks on a house and it was like, mm. okay, I feel, I feel good about this. Like, and I came home quickly because my best friend was moving to Texas and I had promised him that I would drive him or drive with him and keep him company. And, you know, so it was kind of this like whirlwind trip that got cut short so that I could transport him to this very difficult time in his life. And he's an eating buddy. Like mm. we, that's what we do together mm. in a big, in a big way, because he comes from this very closed Germanic community. So he doesn't know anything about food that isn't a pickle or cured <laughs> meat <laughs> and everything is gray. <laughs> and everything is gray. Everything is gray and sad and filled with sadness. Mm. Oh, I love German food. I'm sorry for the Germanic people. I do love your food. Don't get me wrong, but there is some sadness there. And, um, you know, eating with him was always really fun because he didn't have any opinion until mm. afterwards. And then he'd be like so excited and he was mm. very open to trying things. So that being said, um, we took this trip together. And of course, we ended up, we went to New Orleans and we ate at Cochon and we ate, you know, beignets and we had chicory coffee. And like, I got to kind of do the touristy thing and but then also eat at a couple places that I think most people wouldn't eat at because they're not on their like to do or bucket list. And mm. it was great. It was fantastic. Like it was again, restoring my faith in food. But at the same time I was like watching my bank account go into the red and watching my credit card debt pile around me. <laughs> <laughs> you and I have had a very similar couple of years. <laughs> Yeah, um, that's why I, I was like, oh, I'm sure it's been very interesting for you as well. Um, yeah, and that that was freaking me out. Um, I was like, okay, well, if I go into catering, I can make the money. But you need to have like an in into the catering world or you can end up just, you know, kind of grinding out these overcooked steaks with a bunch of other people and you know, it's, there's great catering out there and then, but the majority of it is, oof, it hurts. Well, to have good food catered is so challenging. It's incredibly challenging. Um, the overwhelming expectations to have good food where a hundred plates come out at the same time, looking the same, tasting the same, you know. And it being good. Like one time Gabrielle, um, I don't know if it, we recorded a little bit before we hopped on this recording. So if this was not on this recording, I know Jamie from Prune, where we both worked with Gabrielle Hamilton. And 
Jamie, were you with us when we catered that wedding and it was 200 people and they wanted steak and fries? Oh my God, no. So it was <laughs> I'm literally so it was sorry. 200 people <laughs> and medium rare steaks for everybody. Can you imagine? Like all coming out at the same time? <laughs> Earlier this when he was, was like, the there only was time no. When Gabrielle, I would tell her, let technology be your friend. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she, we used, um, I don't know, what are those like warming boxes? Sous vide. Um, no, not sous vide, but like the big things that keep things warm after they're cooked that you slide. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So we like cooked and slid them all in. But it was so funny earlier when he's like, there was no adrenaline in catering. I was like, there is if you cater with Gabrielle Hamilton. Oh, yeah. (laughs) With with Gabrielle, there's adrenaline to whatever you're going to do. You could take out the trash and it could be intense. So, which is wonderful. (laughs) I've never seen anyone take out garbage with more elegance in my life. Mm -hmm. Well, she's got intention. Exactly. Speaking (laughs) of intention. Speaking of intention, she has intention. Mm -hmm. It's great. It was one of the biggest things I took away from from working with her for sure. (sighs) So you're on this trip Mm -hmm. and you're finding your faith in food again and you're feeling scared about your bank account. And so then what? Um, My partner and I, um, you know, we're missing each other greatly because we're still in a new relationship. Um, I'm in Texas with my friend. I'd help him find an apartment or a, a condo down there and help him get set up. Um, as he likes to tell me all the time, he's very bad at life. <laughs> um, so strangely enough, I seem to be uh, the person who helps him kind of put his life together, which I'm like, okay, so my life is falling around me in pieces. <laughs> but I found you a house. <laughs> I can get your life going, but I can't get my own life going. That's how I feel. Yeah. That's yeah. funny. And I think a lot of life coaches feel that way. Yeah. So I think yeah. we, he always jokes, he's like, you can talk about, you know, a piece of sushi with more passion than anything I've felt in my entire life. Mm. Yet, you know, like these, these are the weird balances. So, um, so I decided to fly home. Um, and at the same time, uh, a very good friend that I'd had for 17 years decided to shove me very rudely out of her life. And I was dealing with this personal heartache on top of this uh, career heartache. Like I was just going through the full. <laughs> well, yeah, the it's full, like you lost just want to kind of give up on everything and good pull friend. my head and under your the covers. And um, so, a friend of mine who started working at a restaurant, Tail Up Goat, was texting me incessantly. <laughs> you need to come work here. You need to come work here. And I'd eaten there and I loved the food. Um, it felt like home to me. It felt very familiar, um, but not like it was interesting. And um, this particular cook and I had worked together at the previous restaurant. And so he knew me. He knew my struggles. He had gone through a very similar thing, a very soul searching thing. And um, so he was like, you know what? Just come stage. And so stage is, you know, you work a day for free in the kitchen. And I showed up very casual, like, oh, I'm not going to take, I'm not going to take this job. Because <laughs> I had looked at a sous chef position at another place, but I walked into the kitchen and it was so filthy. I walked right back out. <laughs> I didn't even do You're the like, job. no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I just was like, not going to work here. I don't think this is going to work out. <laughs> 
<laughs> I can't work in a dirty kitchen mm-hmm. and I can only clean so much. Um, so I show up to my stage very kind of loosey goosey and in a good mood and excited to be in a kitchen again. And, you know, the cooks immediately were just like so welcoming. It threw me off guard. Mm-hmm. Um, Was that not usually the case? I think it just, the last year had been, I had just put up a barrier, mm-hmm. like armor, to not be nice to people, quite literally. Like, I just wanted to, you know, put my shell up and be like, whatever. Like, there was no ego, no cockiness. It was just cooking because we love to cook. And we talked about food, like, passionately mm-hmm. again. And I hadn't heard language like that since I had left Prune. She's just like, oh, look how beautiful this carrot is. It's a freaking <laughs> carrot. <laughs> but, you know, that's the things that get us through the day. It's like you notice these beautiful things. and you can Yeah, you're like, them. oh, my God, have you seen the carrots? <laughs> have you seen the carrots today? They're spectacular. Or, like, you know, when you make something that's really delicious and, like, everybody in the room's like, yeah, this is great. Like, mm-hmm. all right. Or if you fuck something up and, sorry, I did potty mouth. No, you can say whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> um you know, it's just like, oh, well, what happened? And that that was the big thing is like when something went wrong during that day, people didn't get all over you. They were like, well, what happened? Let's fix it. Mm. We can make it better. And that was encouraging because being a cook is a learning process every single day. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the beauties of that career that can keep you endlessly engaged Um you know, I'm sure that if you asked Eric Repair if he's still learning, he would say every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's it has something new to show you, no matter what it is. Is it people? Is it food? Is it your product? Like, you know, um, and I was relieved that the chef, John, would just come up to you and taste your food and talk to you and be so open about his definition of food and how he felt about something and not pretentious at all. This very just, he's just a very warm human being. And it was exactly what I needed. And then he invited me to sit down and, and eat. And so I sat and, and I just watched the kitchen kind of cook and I, I ate my meal and I walked up to the past to thank him for the day and, and to say goodbye. And he's like, so what are you doing? <laughs> and I was, he's like, what's, what's your deal? And I said, well, I can start Thursday. Ah. <laughs> and he said, I'll see you Thursday. Ah. And that was it. Like, I got no employee, blah, blah, blah. Like, mm-hmm. you know, this is how it works here. Like, none of that. I just showed up Thursday, handed them a post, like a deleted check for auto pay and... Mm-hmm. Like, my, here's my social security number. Let's my go. passport, yeah. and, you know. <laughs> okay, and I'm on the line. <laughs> like, it was reminiscent a little of when I started at Prune of just this, like, okay, you know, like, whoop, right in. Yeah, you fit here. Come on in. Yeah, you mm-hmm. fit here. This is a good fit, and I think this is going to be a good working relationship. And, um, and it, I mean, it really was like. Uh, those first three months, I think I just walked around in a state of bliss. <laughs> like I was happy to go to work. I would 
take the long way to work and I'd feel the sun on my face and just, I'd come home like a garden before work because my work day didn't start until two most days, mm. which was unheard of. My hours were from two to 1230, mm -hmm. um, which is great. I mean, and we did four days a week in the kitchen and one day a week on the floor. So I was getting ah, this whole new education. That's being, so cool. Yeah. yeah. So I was back serving one day a week. So I got to listen to guests talk about food. And I got to work with John's wife, Jill, who's just this like incredible ball of energy. Mm -hmm. um, she runs the front of house. I've never worked with anybody who was so skilled at managing a front of house team. Like... She knew every face that came in the door. She re she recognized me from when I ate my meal there with um, my friend Brian, who had moved to Texas. Like, mm. she just is incredible like that. And just the way that she explains things is so clear that there's no second guessing it. It's not a hemming and a hawing. And, like, it was nice to work with the front of house and back of house staff that was meshing. Mm -hmm. There's communication. Um, there's respect. There's mutual respect going on. So the cross training piece of that, I think, is so important because it's hard to respect the difficulties of a job that you don't understand. Absolutely. And I felt like working at Prune, that was something that you know, when tension between the front and the back of the house would come up, it was always like, let's both remember that we're on the same team. Yes which can be so challenging. I have very challenging. a question about the culture and I want to try to ask it <laughs> in a way that makes sense. I think, and I don't know if it's specific to restaurants. I doubt it. I bet this is across all kind of companies. Um, I think there are places where you go in and you get that feeling that it's supportive and that the goal is for everyone to be well and happy while also doing a wonderful job. And, and some, and some, and some, and sometimes a few months in or a few years in or whatever it is, you kind of are like, wow, like that's what it seemed like was going on here. But now that I've actually spent some time here, that's not what's actually going on. And I'm wondering like in contrast to the restaurant that you had just left, and other restaurants that you've worked in, how that kind of cultural piece played out. Like, was that feeling that you felt? It sounds like that was really real when you started this new job. And I'm wondering yes. how that experience compares to previous restaurant experiences. There's a lot of lip service right now happening within the industry about your well-being and quality of life because we have more women entering into the field. I think this, this is playing a large part, honestly. I was having this conversation last night with a friend of mine. And so we're having more of this discussion in restaurants about the hours that we work, healthcare. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things that I tell anyone who interviews me for a job is, if you plan on berating me, I will walk away now because I, I will not work in that environment. And I've been clear with, I think, pretty much every employer about that. I'm older, so I'm not scared of you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Good um, for you. 
Yeah. And so this lip service is happening, but the action is lagging. This particular restaurant is holding up to that. It's incredibly difficult for them to do that because cooks, um, by and large, are pretty lawless individuals. Um, (laughs) (laughs) They kind of need this hard line drawn. So unless the people coming in and you're hiring the kinds of people that you can trust Mm -hmm. to kind of self-manage, then it becomes, I've, I've watched people wobble greatly in this kind of an environment because they're so young, they're so green, they don't quite have the barriers up to guide themselves that they fall right on their face and they don't get anything done and they're jerking off and, you know, it's, and then you have to turn around and be that bulldog and it's a surprise. Uh Whereas you have these other restaurants, you know, where it's, they're the bulldog all the time. So you kind of live in terror yeah. <laughs> the whole time. Um, so finding, finding that balance right now, I think, in the industry is very, very tricky. Um, and I think there are chefs who really want to be that way, but they come from that old school. Mm-hmm. They come from that bulldog mentality. And breaking that out of them to be true leaders true educators um it's very very tricky Mm -hmm. being a leader is um the hardest part of cooking honestly and every chef i've worked for has said the same thing i can teach anyone to cook and they hire based on personality Mm -hmm. i'm gonna say bullshit on that (laughs) (laughs) yeah Because I've watched people, I'm like, you're never going to, this person is not ever going to flourish under your leadership. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and that varies from person to person. So I hope that as a chef, I will never say those words (laughs) that Mm -hmm. I can teach anyone to cook. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I, I quite frankly can't. The way that I teach or I learn is completely different from other people's. So we're hoping... I'm hoping that these young, we have younger and younger chefs opening restaurants too, Mm -hmm. who haven't quite got all the ego out of their system. (laughs) They'll Uh, get it. They'll get it hammered out eventually. I hope so. I really hope so. Um, Because those are the ones, these are the chefs that are going to define the future of the industry and and how people are taken care of. Um, Do they feel mentally supported when they go to work? Do they feel that, you know, they're learning every day and not learning based on fear, but learning based on their strengths and their ability to grow Mm -hmm. within the industry. So I hope we see more creative and inventive cuisine with that too, because people are, are finding their strengths and following their strengths rather than forcing themselves down these paths that they feel that they need to go down in order to be a great chef. Something that is really present for me just around this whole dynamic of support and receiving support inside of a workplace, especially such a strenuous job, is the difference between like 
saying to an employee, your well-being is always one of my priorities versus your well-being is my priority, but only when it's convenient to me. Right. Um, and it's like that's the kind of shift, hopefully, that's happening in the industry. And as I say that, I'm also like that's the kind of shift that people who are on a path of growth or evolution, that's the kind of shift that each of us is making in our own lives is like, from making our well-being a priority only when it's convenient to making our well-being a priority all of the time. I think that's happening everywhere for, with everyone. Yeah. I mean, I hope so. Like well, I think we levels. just talk about mental health as a whole now. Yeah. More than ever. More holistic. Well, so we've alluded a little bit, but we haven't said outright, Jamie, what are you... So you, you got this new wonderful job. It was bliss. You were gardening. Everything is, you know, daisies and sunshine on your face. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, I'm gardening again. I've started my garden. Like, I'm growing food. Mm. Um, my relationship with Patrick, my partner, is blooming like crazy. Um, everything's blooming. He, everything Ooh. is just wonderful. He has two beautiful sons mm. who totally accepted me into their lives. Wow. Um, we spent the entire summer camping and fishing on our times off and like swimming in rivers and just feeling alive again. I'd spent the last few years inside <laughs> and now I'm kind of like coming out again. Um, so fast forward, we decided to get married, um, very quickly and we're, He's been married before. He's 42. I'm 37. You know, we're not stupid. We know what it means. Um, <laughs> we're like, okay, you know what, though? You're my partner. I want to build with you. This is good. This is very clearly a very good match for us both. And there's no reason for us to not explore that as far as we can. So we started planning this very small wedding which quickly grew into a very large wedding because <laughs> that's how a wedding goes. <laughs> and I mean, it literally was supposed to be about 20 people and blossomed to 70. Mm. And that's still small. That's still, yeah, that's a it's small still wedding. small, but in our minds, <laughs> that's pretty big. Right. So the first thing that happened in making that was my chef at the time, John, he <laughs> decides I invite him, Jill, a couple of my sous chefs, knowing full well that they, can't come, but I want them <laughs> to know that I love them. Tell me then, he shut the restaurant so they could all come. They did. <laughs> <laughs> they shut the restaurant on a Saturday night. Oh my gosh. Wow. A Michelin starred restaurant in DC <laughs> on Saturday night. <laughs> it was unbelievably touching and overwhelming. Yeah, I was like, if that doesn't I let you know. Burst into that tears you're from frustration. I was like, I can't feed all these people. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are you doing your own food or you just mean paying for of the course. food? Oh, you're doing your own food. I'm a lunatic. Yeah. Um, yeah so. Wait, so this is the best story. <laughs> now I need to hear how the day how the day goes. Because what happens like you walked in the aisle and then you're like, okay now I need to go cook. No. No, because Gabrielle <laughs> taught me much better than that. Okay, good. <laughs> No, so, you know, it's it's planning a wedding, so it's incredibly frustrating at times, incredibly exciting at times. My husband and I cobbled together um, a bunch of china. His mother pitched in amazingly, providing me with all of these gorgeous hand-sewn linens and things. Like, I wanted it to be very 
indicative of where we are. So it was very Virginia country with fine China. And then I also wanted to really represent the myself in it because to me, it became an art project. Mm-hmm. And Patrick just jumped on board 100%. Oh, I love Most that. Most men are like, I don't want to have anything to do with it. He <laughs> was amazing. <laughs> like anything that I needed done, I was freaking out because I couldn't find an 11 inch cake pan. <laughs> he makes that happen. Mm-hmm. Like he's just that person. Um, I was like, I want to do a half pig. He figures out how to build the pit. He stays up all night with the coals. So we cooked a half pig. We made, you know, all the food was very, like, rustic. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we did broad beans with anchovies and garlic and lemon peel. And we did a half-roasted pig and a big thing of slaw. And then I made a Emily, who I worked with at Prune as well, mm-hmm. Tyla, you mm-hmm. remember her? She came. She um, she was our officiant. And... She came down a couple days before and helped immensely. Uh, my old gardening assistant, Anna, um, who now has my job, showed up. And they both threw in 110% of their labor. My friend Brian came from Texas and helped me pull off this wedding. I didn't have to cook a thing the day of the wedding. Mm. Everything was planned out in advance. Um everything was set up like I yeah it was just amazing how much my friends came through Emily decorated the wedding cake that I I baked everything I made all the fillings and then I had her assemble it and decorate it we did I did the flowers the altar um yeah everything was our hands and time that's amazing I'm obsessed with this wedding. I'm really excited about all the weddings at the bed and breakfast <laughs> I know <Yeah>. absolutely. <laughs> I know. And also, it's so cool, like, you were talking about how when you left the job that wasn't good and were feeling so lost that you felt so unsupported kind of in every area of your life. And Mm -hmm. this is such a gorgeous contrast. Yes. Mm -hmm. It was, um, oh, man. If I start crying, just ignore me. I was just like, Jamie's going to cry. I'm excited. (laughs) As a friend of mine says, I'm a woman. I cry. Get over it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And Patrick just stood there watching me. And he's like, I told you. He's like, people people love you. I just just Mm. doubt so much myself and my ability to be engaged in people's lives. And I always have, and I've always felt like this loner outside, blah, 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 poor pitiful me. And then every, at every turn, especially at this point, there's just like this overwhelming amount of support Mm -hmm. that then I feel guilty. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I haven't been there for you. I'm sorry that I doubted your love. I'm, you know, and it's just, I never thought that I would move to Washington, D.C., meet the love of my life, and be where I am now. Like, this is not not at all what I expected. Mm-hmm. Ah. So the wedding was wonderful. Everyone had a great time. Everyone said it was the best house party they'd ever been to. <laughs> That's how a wedding should feel. Like, this is the yeah. best party ever. Yeah, I did my first keg stand at 37 years old. <laughs> 
Um, I watched my mother-in-law break dishes because she was so drunk from drinking champagne. It was fantastic. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, Yeah, my eldest stepson, who's 17, burst into tears out of happiness. Um, This is like a movie. It was was everything I wanted and more, and I think everything that Patrick wanted and more. Um, How old are his boys? 15 and 17. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> they are teenagers. <laughs> um, so, I bet they think you're the coolest. I think I am something they have never encountered. <laughs> yeah, um, they come from very straight-laced people, and you know, it's not something I would say about you. Straight legs. Nope. Nope. <laughs> uh-uh. I am the square peg trying to go in the round hole all the time. Mm-hmm. So, but I think that that's who they kind of always envisioned for their father too, because he's kind of the same way. Mm-hmm. And he was always trying to like box himself in. And now that he's not, <laughs> he's so much happier. What does he do? Um, he works for Enterprise because he has two boys and he needs, you know, mm-hmm. good, good insurance and a steady job. Mm-hmm. So we're, you know, we're figuring that out. We, um, it's not what he wants to do by and large. And he's way too smart for the job that he does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So many so, people are. Yeah, he's always wanted to be in the restaurant industry which is kind of funny, um, but he's perfect for him. Like he's, he's, he's those kinds of people and it's funny. He's become closer friends with some of the people that I work with than I am. Um, they immediately just like gobbled him up as family. Oh, good. Um, yeah, so, and now after the wedding, I kind of had to refocus on my career and what was best for me and for us as a family. And because I'm so much older, like all of this line cooking is, is actually really, really hard on my body. And I'm starting to experience a lot of the physical drawbacks of my age. Um, My back is constantly hurting. I just don't have the stamina that these kids do. You know, by the time we're cleaning and breaking down the kitchen, I'm, I'm wiped. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've put in everything that I can. And so once you get to this point, you have to kind of step off the line. And John was working with me very diligently to find me this kind of a swing position where I don't have to be there such late nights. And I'm not doing so much of the adrenaline during service cooking um, and which was great. I was not going to work weekends, which is big. And then I started to think, what does this mean? Really? Like, I'm not going to be a sous chef. I'm just going to have this like really weird position. And I'm getting a little bit tired of having to answer to four chefs. You know, you have people, no matter how wonderful the environment is, you've got four people checking on you. And that's like, I also need to be trusted to do my job. Mm. And, you know, it's not that I wasn't doing my job or anything like that, or they felt that I wasn't. It's just that that's their job. (laughs) 
And um, I got an email one night out of the blue from this incredibly strong woman that I know here in DC, Tyler Hutchins. She runs the bar program at the Dabney. And I mean, you want to talk about somebody like carving out a space for themselves and working against all odds. I mean, she's a perfect example of that. Um, she's like one of these bright, sunshiny people on the outside that everyone feels comfortable with. And then you talk to her and she's just a fascinating individual because <laughs> I think she's just as gritty as I am, but you would never guess it. Like, you know, whereas I put up this like exterior, whatever, she does the opposite and it's pretty amazing. But her email was an introduction to a gentleman named Paul Rupert. Paul Rupert is a restaurateur and real estate agent here in DC. And he owns um, a couple of businesses and he has another business partner, Nick Pimentel, who is part of Room 11 and Bad Saint. And the introduction was Paul's kind of looking for a chef to maybe start a new restaurant with. And he's looking for potentially a strong female to run that. And so Paul and I started chatting and we had our first meeting and I was feeling very guilty that I was having this meeting behind John's mm. back. And Patrick was like, you have to entertain it. He's like, you know, if you don't look at this opportunity, then you won't know. You won't know anything about it. So I met with Paul and our first meeting went very well. Um, and he kind of explained to me what he was looking for. He wanted someone to take over a pre-existing restaurant that he had. It was mostly a cocktail bar with a menu. Um, the food, as I read it, was very beige. Uh, you know, a little Germanic. Yeah, just like <laughs> yes, we're back to the brown again. <laughs> food of sadness. Um, you know, macaroni and cheese, and just like heavy, heavy, heavy. Mm -hmm. And so I went and ate there with my husband, and we sat down, and it's a beautiful space. And we were like, ah, oh, this is—it's lovely in here. It's really well designed. Um. The service is good, but completely inattentive. I was like, okay, well, there's all these gaps here that are happening. And the food is, is quite bad. <laughs> um, and the menu makes me sad inside. <laughs> <laughs> so I wrote Paul a long email after that, just kind of explaining my view of it. And then we met again. And we're both doing this, like, I don't want to be the first one to say I want this dance. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it was pretty clear, I think, from the second meeting that we both wanted to go into business together, that we wanted to start working together, mm -hmm. that we saw the potential in the same way and that we were on the same page. And we felt that it has such an opportunity to be something so much better. It's in this great little neighborhood that's very, like, cozy and you know, on the up and up and it has all these restaurants popping up and they've already got a built-in clientele. Um, 
so we get to the third meeting and at this point he brings in business partners i've met with other people and i i've come to the point now i'm like okay i have to talk to john and i have to talk to john for a couple different reasons um one is i'm starting to feel like i'm cheating on him and two um i need his advice because he's uh incredibly smart when it comes to the restaurant industry and you know people and reading the situation and I trust his judgment. And so we had this meeting and, you know, I'm kind of a little teary while I'm entering the meeting because I'm feeling like, I know this means that I'm saying goodbye, even though I'm trying to approach this meeting as like, I may not be taking this job, but I know mm. in my heart that I'm taking this job. Mm. And mm -hmm. John and I had this fantastic conversation he was like, I would do anything I could to keep you, but you, this is, you have to move forward. He was like, this is the natural progression and you're going to be great at it. And he uh. just gave me all of this encouragement and love and a lot of guilt. <laughs> <laughs> well, did he give you the guilt or did you do that to yourself? No, he gave me the guilt. Very okay. intentionally. <laughs> In a very like loving fatherly way that he yeah. has of just like, well, I hate you now, but <laughs> yeah, you know, and <laughs> it was difficult. Like the last, I just left the restaurant on Saturday. Um, I put in three weeks notice. Um, Paul and I have been moving forward. I've been doing R and D actually these last two days I've been nothing but watching British baking shows. <laughs> I just watched the first, like, the first time I've ever watched The Great British, is that called yeah. The Great British Bake Off? Yeah. I watched it the other night on, yeah. on Pie yeah. Day. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Some friends came over, we were making pie, and we were watching that show, and I was like, this is the best show I've ever seen. Oh, my God. I it's so inspiring. Pies. I hate reality shows. I am so addicted to the show. It's so it inspiring. Sense. They're so cute. They're so and cute. And everyone's so nice to each other. I guess that's the thing, is it doesn't feel as much like a competition exactly. in, like in the way like everyone's kind of rooting for each other yeah in this very genuine way and i, I like helping that. each other yeah ah yeah. oh, i just watched one where the hosts were like running around helping everybody at the last minute because everybody was freaking out oh you know what i don't like about that show though is that <laughs> the judges are always like well it's like needed more time to rise or it's underproven or whatever mm -hmm. and i always want to be like then give them more time because yeah if that's the critique across the board, <laughs> then there's nothing that these people can do about that. They give them the exact amount of time that they need, though. Yeah. And that's the truth. Because if mm. they were working in a professional situation, uh -huh. even though they're amateurs, and that's part of it, is like understanding your time management is the biggest part of cooking, um, especially in baking. Especially in baking. So, yeah. I mean... If you can pull it off. And they, I mean, I think the judges on there are actually very fair mm -hmm. um, in their assessment of like, I know you needed five more minutes. Five yeah. more minutes would have been. Five more minutes, you would have been yeah. golden. And they only hold that against it when it's like so seriously underproof or underbaked or whatever that they're like, okay, like clearly <laughs> you weren't going to win no matter what. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So, I mean, you, you said it, you told the story, but I would like to be like, so you mean you're about to be the chef of your own 
place. Yes. Kind of. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> I am <officially laughs> yes! the CDC of Petworth Citizen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> insane. <laughs> and you've only been cooking for four years. I've been cooking Amazing. for four years. This is actually my second yeah. head chef position. Ah. Yeah. So I had a head chef position in Spain. My. Ah. It was like my first, I was just finishing my first year of cooking. Wow. And I got offered a, a head chef position in Spain by an insane individual. And, and I was going to say, part of my question is then why are you not living in Spain right now? But I guess if that person was insane, I it understand was awful. why. It was awful. I was so underprepared. I, yeah, that, I mean, speaking about like running off of a cliff. No parachute. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Do you feel prepared this time? Yes. I feel very different this time. One, I have a network of people who speak my language, and that's really helpful. <laughs> yeah. Um, so mm -hmm. I have a network here in D.C. that I never expected to have. Um, when I left Tail Up Goat, the sous chef, Zach, one of them, he is an amazing individual. He took me into the office and he opened up all of his documents and systems for me. And he's like, this is all yours. Mm. He's like, wow. whatever you need, mm. whenever you need it. That's so generous. All of my recipes you can have. Ugh. Like just, mm. ugh, it just bowled <sighs> me over. You know, it was such a moment. Cause he's also the person that I'm known for having the filthiest mouth in the kitchen. <laughs> everywhere I go <laughs> she curses and she cries yeah and then I cry <laughs> um, and he loves to play off that and we get each other going <laughs> you know we talk about you want to talk about locker room talk Zach and I can take it to levels of discomfort for everyone <laughs> you never even imagined <laughs> and we had this just great moment and then he sent me this text afterwards and he's probably going to hate me for revealing what a softy he is, but the text was just like, and I don't know why it wasn't so obvious for me to say this to you before, but you're going to be great. Uh, and it's mm. just overwhelming to think that a year ago I felt completely alone. <laughs> wow. And now I have this incredible amount of support and love and encouragement and opportunity i don't know where i deserve any of that <laughs> so well people love you yeah allowing people to love me yeah. is not an easy thing <laughs> but you're doing it yeah i mean mm -hmm. the shift that you've made in the span of a year is so incredible like the way you feel yeah. now, I can I can feel it in your voice, you know. And to go from feeling mm -hmm. so hopeless, hopeless, yeah, to feeling so supported and excited, it's like. I mean, yes, your external circumstances have changed, but Jamie, you did that by allowing it in. It's a hard thing to acknowledge. 
<laughs> well, hmm. I'm going to say it again. Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> you want to just record it, put it on a loop and send it to me? Yeah, it's just going to be over and over. Jamie, you I'll listen to are it while I sleep. responsible for all the good in your life. I'm so excited for you. Mm. Ah, I mean, so now when does this new job start? Monday. Ah! <laughs> it's Friday right now while we're recording. Yes, I know. I know. I'm well aware that it's Friday. Oh my goodness! So I'm what are you gonna Brioche do? Cooking brioche and making ricotta and just praying that I'm ready. <laughs> I told Jamie while we were like having technical difficulties. She's like, "I'm waiting for my ricotta to cool," and I was like, "I've had a thing about making homemade ricotta on the side of my fridge for literally, literally a year and a half, and haven't done it yet." She's just like making ricotta on her day off vacation week yeah well you know i've been watching people cook for hours and hours so i'm like oh maybe i should do something (laughs) (laughs) so monday what time do you go in on monday um so it's an interesting first week because the way that the schedule is now is that i am kind of superfluous in the next two weeks Mm -hmm. this week and next um i will go in and mainly just observe learn my systems allow the menu to be what it is for this week um for the first week watch my cooks cook and then kind of insert myself into the menu that they're cooking teaching them how i want things plated teaching them how i want things cooked kind of correcting the existing menu for the week (laughs) so that they can kind of learn a little bit and then um so i'm gonna go in i think i think i'll start at nine on monday so that i can go in and receive deliveries and clean i have a feeling there's gonna be a good amount of cleaning i need to do (laughs) it's gonna be good though you're gonna enjoy it yeah i'm looking forward to it um i've always enjoyed things that are a little bit broken down that i can kind of resuscitate <laughs> i prefer a fixer-upper than something that's brand spanking new mm-hmm. and that's what you did with your life i feel like you've resuscitated your life yeah yeah so cool yeah. i see a lot more opportunity in that than i do a clean slate mm-hmm. mm. Well, and I think it's just a fundamental, like, philosophical difference between, like, I want to start from scratch mm-hmm. and, like, I want to take all the things about what exists that are really good and build on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In a way, that's, like, its own way of allowing yourself to receive support. Mm-hmm. It's like, can I be supported by what's already here? Right. There's already some structure. Oh my god! What's your biggest um, anxiety going into this new job? Um, honestly, my biggest anxiety right now is staffing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I staffing in this, in the restaurant industry is incredibly difficult. DC is no exception to that rule. If anything, I think it might be worse here because it is expensive to live here. We don't have the influx of good cooks that New York, Chicago, San Francisco, Austin get. Um, people are just like, when I decided to move here, everyone was like, DC doesn't have food. 
And they weren't wrong. I was like, there's restaurants here. They're just okay. And in the last year, it's exploded onto the food scene. So I came really at the right time. Um, but we have, you know, they, these, the staff that's there has undergone some abuse. And I'm going to have to fix that. And I also am going to be the only female in the kitchen again. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Which is fine because most of my friends are men. <laughs> um, I'm used to it. It's more just, you know, there is definitely still that struggle of men don't want to take orders from women. They get very like, you know, they're, they're, ego comes into play and I'm concerned about that very much. Um, I'm hoping that being the particular kind of female that I am, I'm very strong, very dude-like, that they will gravitate towards that, but also still respect me as, um, as their chef. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm not just your buddy to hear, come in here and hang out. I'm here to actually do something very, very serious. And I don't think I'm going in there to revolutionize cuisine as we know it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good that your goal is clear. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I, I, um, I just want to cook good food. I just want people to come in and want to eat there regularly and be like, oh, that was so good. It's and like that feeling of your wedding just kind of like mm -hmm. expanded. Exactly. Yeah, it feels like you've just been preparing yeah. for this moment, so I think it'll be fine. <laughs> you're you're been you've been really good at receiving support lately, yeah. so this is just that you know times ten. Keep doing that. <laughs> keep doing yeah. it. Keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you have so many opportunities coming up to feel a lot of feelings mm -hmm. and navigate your own inner world as you're also like moving into this leadership position. What a incredible opportunity for you yeah it really oh, is i'm yeah. so excited i know i'm so excited myself <laughs> <sighs> yeah i haven't really slept <laughs> you have two days i know you better hurry up and sleep <laughs> i know i know i keep waking up dreaming about potato salad i just i can't <laughs> even explain it <laughs> that's incredible yeah. oh my goodness <laughs> Sally, do you have any other questions? No. No. <laughs> You've been very quiet again today. <laughs> well, I didn't have a lot to say. <laughs> I'm not going to force myself to say things. <laughs> well, Jamie, I guess, I guess we'll wrap up. Great. So I want to invite you again to close your eyes. And just take a deep breath and feel how you're feeling right now. A weekend away from this new job and celebrating everything you've been through in the last year, all of it, even the hard parts. And when you're ready, share with us in one word how you're feeling right now. Excited. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, I'm feeling excited. And if you could go back to a year ago today, approximately. <laughs> the day you were leaving that job 
and speak to yourself from the woman that you are now, what would you say to her? I don't think I would say anything. I think I would just hug her. Mm. I think I would just hug her because that's all she needed. <laughs> that's the best answer anyone's ever given us. Yeah. <laughs> like this is, I'm just like, kind of like eyes closed, breathing it in. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much for coming to talk to us. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me. This was great. It's been so good. I feel so, I can't wait to come eat at your restaurant. I can't wait either. Doors I'm going to give you a open. couple months. <laughs> give me a month. <laughs> give you a month, get everything hammered out. Not hammered out, finessed. Yeah, it's always a learning process. It's always a learning curve. But, well, know. if people want to find you mm-hmm. in a kitchen or on the internet, where can they do that? You can find me at Petworth Citizen. It's in the Petworth district of Washington, D.C. Um, and then if you follow my Instagram, it's little underscore ring underscore finger. Um, yeah, it's its own story. <laughs> I, I like how you're like, am I going to explain that? Like, no, I'm yeah, not. <laughs> no, we'll just let it be. <laughs> so, if you know me, you know what it means. Yeah. This podcast is going to come out during Jamie's first week of work at Petworth, I think. Is that right, Sally? It should. Okay, so if you're hearing this not that long after it came out, then I highly encourage you to go swing by if you're in the D.C. area and say hi to Jamie. Yeah. And eat her and give me 30 days. <laughs> yeah, maybe don't go the same week we'll that you right do. Away. Give her a couple weeks, but just so you know that we're actually – we're recording this really soon when it's going to air. So you can be sending her so much love and light as she is embarking on her first week at this new adventure and further mm-hmm. preparing herself to own an Airbnb or not an Airbnb, but a B&B someday. Yeah, an actual B&B. Yeah. An actual B&B. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Sally, where can the people find you on the internet? People can find me at Sally simply uh, on all social media and at sallymercedes.com. Uh, or at the Bizwa School in the Coven. Ooh, that's where they can find me. What about you? I'm at Tyler Fowler on all the social media and TylerFowler.com. And you can find our podcast everywhere podcasts are found. It's called mm-hmm. A Year Ago Today. And all of our like social media stuff is A Year Ago Podcast. And our email is A Year Ago Podcast at gmail.com if you want to email us. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> That's all. <laughs> that was really great. <laughs> and if you like our intro outro music, you can follow Zena Hell. How do you spell it, Sally? Z Y N A H E L. On SoundCloud, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Those are all the yeah. things yeah. where she's at. Yay. She's great. Oh my God. Thanks again, JV. This was so fun. Yeah, thank thank you. you both. This was great. All right. Bye, listeners. Yay. Bye. Peace out.